Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries, where everyone is a winner. Join us as we rightly divide the word of truth. Thank you, Father, because you are an ageless God, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And that is why we can depend on you. We thank you, Father, because we are the apple of your eyes. And we give you thanks, O Lamb of God. We give you praise, O Lamb of God. We say thank you, Father, for the gift of life. We say thank you for the gift of salvation. And Lord, this morning, even as we come before your throne, Father, our ears are open, our hearts are receptive. That, Father, Lord, that you will speak to each and every one of us. My prayer, oh God, this morning is that, Lord, you use me as a vessel. Not my words, oh God, but the words from your throne of grace, oh God. That no one, oh God, Father, under the sound of my voice will go home the same in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Indeed, you're a good God. Amen. Amen. So over the past few weeks, it's quite bright here. Amen. Over the past few weeks, what we've been going with, well, we've had a few um, accounts which are so close to us as Christians. So in our Christian calendar, we've had the Palm Sunday, we've had two solemn days, which was the Good Friday, and we've had the Holy Saturday, and we topped it up with a celebration of Easter Sunday, which was glorious. And in between that, on the Friday, we were, some of us were here and we watched um, a movie um, called Left Behind. Um, and that showed us um, what, it, what would actually happen to those who reject the invitation of God through his son, Jesus Christ. And, you know, really putting it down there that God gave, him, gave his best. And we would do well to accept the best that God has given to us. Because nothing could have ever topped that. And nothing will ever top that. He did it once and for all. So today what we're going to do is, because we're still in that season of resurrection, we're going to focus on three aspects, hopefully with time. We're going to focus on the resurrection power of God, of Jesus Christ. We're going to reflect on what Christ did when he came into Jerusalem. So we're looking at the resurrection, but we're also going to look back. You know, we talk about Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and we're going to take a look at that, and then we're going to look at the uniqueness of the resurrection. So when you look at the whole account itself, the Bible says God sent his son Jesus Christ to the cross for our sins, how many of us know that Christ was without sin? Amen. So he went to the cross for our sins, for the sins that we committed then, the 
the sins that we're committing now and the sins that we'll be committing in the future. So it wasn't just for those who were alive then. And that's what makes it unique. He paid that price even for the sins of those who are to be born in generations and generations and generations to come. That undiluted blood that had no sin. And that was why he had to be born through a virgin. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, God did something miraculous on the third day. He rose Christ from the dead. And that was through the Holy Spirit of the living God. Now, Apostle Paul puts it this way in 1 Peter 3 and 18. And I'll read this aspect. 1 Peter 3, 18 says, Jesus Christ suffered for our sins once and for all time. I'm reading from the NLT. It says, he never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely back home to God. And I like the way he put it. To bring us safely back home. You know, the Bible talks about a church without wrinkle, a church without blemish. And that is what Christ did for us. He brought us back without wrinkle, without blemish, without sickness, without depression, without fear, because he paid for all that. So his restoration to God is for everyone to come righteous. And that was what he paid for. He paid the ultimate price. And that's why because of Christ Jesus, we can say sickness has no part in our body. Because it was already paid for. He suffered a physical punishment, a physical death. But he was raised to life in the spirit. And we saw it and the passion of the Christ. And there's so many other films out there that try to actually portray. Because I can tell you, through faith, that even the passion of the Christ is just a tiny bit of what Christ actually went through for us. And a lot of us cannot watch that movie because if you find it so, I don't want to use the word gruesome, but this. It's very emotional. So when you look at it, that, that is actually just a part of what Christ went through. What would have happened if we were standing there? The Bible says Jesus was brought back to life by the Spirit of God. The power in that Spirit. And Romans 8, 11 it says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. What? It lives in you. That spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in each and every one of us. Just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by that same spirit that lives in you within you. 
And that's that power that we're talking about this morning. And we quote it every time. If the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within you, it will quicken your mortal body. But do we actually understand that? Or do we actually utilize that power? Or how much of it do we actually know and utilize? So the thing is, if you are born again, which I believe we all are. I've only heard a few people. If we're born again, if, yeah? And we have the spirit of Christ within us. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Does that live within you? Does that live within you? Amen. So if, we, if that is the case, then that same spirit that rose Christ from the dead would give life to our bodies. Would give strength to that mortal body. Would give healing. Would give faith to our mortal bodies. So if we know that, that that power that did not keep Christ in the grave passed those three days. Because that power held him there for three days, but after those three days, he had to rise again because the power of God was at work in him. And if that power that rose him from the dead is within each and every one of us. We can do a lot more than what we're doing. Amen. What does Psalm 49:20 say, Stephen? I'm about to tell you. Amen. Psalm 49:20? Yes. Amen. Psalm 49:20. A man who is in honor, yet does not understand, is like the beasts that perish. Amen. Amen. A man that is in honor, yet does not understand, does not understand it. Let's have a look at John 8.32. Right, so, and I think I've said this a few times, you know, that if I have an inheritance and I know about it, and I don't go and claim it, what happens to that inheritance? It stays right there. Or, if in Africa, somebody else inherits it. <coughs> because there are times when we have inheritance and we know about it, but even with that, somebody else tries to inherit it. But the Bible is telling us here, that a man who has wealth but lacks understanding. So I know that I've got it. I know that I have that power of God. But I do nothing about it. That power would lay there dormant. And that's why I like the John 8.32. Amen. Amen. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Amen. Amen. I tend to go one step further to say the truth that you know and you act upon 
is what will set you free. It's one thing for us to know, and a lot of us know a lot of things. We have that knowledge. But what do we do with the knowledge that we have? So it's the knowledge that we have and we utilize. It's the knowledge we have and we do something about. It's the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. It's been given freely, it's been given to us. So each one of us, as long as we have Christ as our Savior, and as long as we're born again, we carry the power of God. The God of heaven. The one who spoke. The one who split the Red Sea by the words of his mouth. The one who rose Christ from the dead. We have that power. The Greek call it a dynamis power. And I think I've got a clip there somewhere. It says the miracle working do not. It, well, it, it's, it's, a, it's a trans. That's where we get the word dynamite from. It says the miracle working dynamite power of God. And I don't think that does justice to it. So we have the power of God. That same power that God used to raise Christ. That same power that God used to split the Red Sea. That same power that rose Lazarus from the dead. That same power lives in each and every one of us. Let's read Ephesians 1, please. Verse 17 to 21. Ephesians 1, 17 to 21. Yeah. Amen. Read. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of him. Amen. Can you hold on one second? So here's Apostle Paul praying here for the Ephesus church. He says, I pray that the Lord, our glorious God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ will give to you spiritual wisdom and insight. How many of us know that we need insight into a lot of things? And we need the wisdom to be able to walk the insight. It says so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. You know, I think it's either first or second Corinthians that says, it says we have the mind of God. And you know, a lot of times we say we don't know certain things. We don't know this. We don't know that. Yes, I understand there are things that God has withheld from us. But on the majority of things, if we go to God, we have the answer because we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say to his disciples? Or what did he even say to Abraham? He says, how can I withhold from my friend what I am about to do? 
in the Gospels, Jesus calls us his friends. So if Jesus calls us his friends, he would not withhold things from us. He will give us insight. And this is the prayer that Apostle Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus. Verse 18. Verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Amen. Amen. Right. The NLT says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded. I like that word. Your hearts will be flooded with light. Your hearts will be flooded, not with sickness, not with darkness, not with fear, not with depression, flooded with the light of God so that you can understand the confident hope, not just hope, the confident hope. We pray that prayer. This is the hope that we have in him, that when we call upon him, he hears us. And because he hears us, we have the confidence of what we have asked of him. The confident hope that he has given to those he has called, his holy people. Are we his holy people? Who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Amen. Verse 19, please. 19 in NLT. <laughs> I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Amen. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler of authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Hallelujah. So we're talking about God's power of resurrection here. So Apostle Paul is also saying here, he says, I pray that you will understand and it takes an understanding, it takes the wisdom and the insight to be able to have an understanding of God's great power for those who believe in him. And that's the prerequisite of it, those who believe in him. So those who do not believe in him cannot get that insight because they don't know where to find it. But we have the word of God and we know where to find the insight into the world, into the things of God. Amen? And because we know that, we know that we have that power. Because God has told us that we have that power in us. Is it Luke 19? Luke 10, 19, I think it is. Have a look at that. He says, I've given you power to trample upon serpents. I think Luke 10, 19. Amen. Luke ten nineteen. Look, I have given you the authority over all the power of the enemy. Amen. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Hallelujah. Nothing will injure you. Amen. Amen. Says I've given you all power to trample upon serpents, upon scorpions, and upon all the power of the enemy. That's that same power 
And I think it was Apostle Paul that picked up a snake. Does anyone remember that account? There was one of the apostles that picked up a snake and just flung it. It was Paul. Right. Thanks, Shaq. Now, I'm not saying go, go out and pick up snakes, but what I'm saying is that God has given us that level of power. And we need to utilize it. The only way we can utilize it is to have an understanding of it. A clear insight of that power that he's given unto us. So if we know that we have that power that God has given unto us, we will know that sickness has no place in our bodies. And it cannot keep us down. Mental illness has no place in our lives. Depression will come, but we have authority over it. No strongholds of any kind has authority over us. What are those challenges you're facing? Is it in the job? Is it in your marriage? Is it with the children? What are those challenges? Are they health challenges? Whatever those challenges are, we have power over them. And that's why we need to surround ourselves with the word of God. And we need to surround ourselves with like-minded people. So that when we're down, they would lift us up. The Bible says, woe to him who falls and has no one to lift him up. Let there be people around you that when you're going through situations, they can pray with you. They can pray for you. There are times when you can't lift your Bible. I've been there. When those situations come, you would not be able to pick up a Bible. But the word of God that has been deposited on the inside of you would raise you from those situations. The people around you that pray with you, that pray for you, would be the ones that would, in those situations, be able to lift you up in prayer. And Florence talks about reinforcement. And that's what it is. There are times that you need that reinforcement from other people. I'm not saying we should be fully dependent on other people, but we need like-minded people around us that will pray with us, that would encourage us, that would lift, lift us up when we're down. Because as we read in Isaiah 43, there will be times we will go through the fire. There will be times we will go through the water. There will be times when the Red Sea will be right in front of us. And until we actually put our feet in it, it will not split open. But we need the faith to be able to put our feet in the water. There are times when we need to get out of the boat and put our gaze upon the Lord, not on the water. Because we know what happens when our gaze is on the water.
my prayer for each and every one of us this morning is that the power of resurrection, that power that rose Christ from the dead on the third day will work against anything that's contrary to the will of God in our lives. Any opposition that is against the word of God, that that power will work against it. It will not have power over it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We've gone through a period where we've celebrated Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. We've gone through Good Friday. But how many of us know that without Good Friday, there isn't a Resurrection Sunday? And the same for each and every one of us. There are times that we have to go through a Good Friday. But aren't we grateful that our Good Friday has a Resurrection Sunday? Look at what happened with the Good Friday Agreement in Ireland. They're still fighting. They're still killing. But we are victorious in our Resurrection Sunday. And for each and every one of us, or maybe it's just for me alone, it's, it was a time of reflection. And I'm going to share some of that reflections with us this morning. It says the account of the triumphant entry is one of contrasts. And those contrasts apply to each and every one of us as believers. It was an account of a king, a royal king, the maker of heaven and earth, who sent his son to come as a lowly servant. He came on a donkey. He didn't come in royal robes. He came in the clothes of a poor of the poor and the humble. And that's how Jesus Christ came. He did not come as a king coming to conquer, to take slaves. But he came by love. He came to give us grace. He came to give us mercy. He came to sacrifice for his people. He came to pay that ultimate price that nobody else could ever pay, have paid. The Bible says the father was looking for someone to send. And Jesus said, here I am. Send me. And do we know that no one else has ever been sent. In fact, no one else never needs to be sent. He's not a kingdom. His is not a kingdom of armies and splendor, but a kingdom of servanthood. And he displayed that when he washed the feet of his disciples. He says, I, am not, I have not come to be served, 
but I have come to serve. That is his purpose. He has not come to conquer nations. He has come to conquer the hearts of people and the minds with salvation and reconciliation to the Father. That was his goal. And that is still his goal. And that would always be his goal. And because that was his goal, that is our goal as well. I always say there's a reason why when we got born again, God didn't say, okay, that's it. Come to heaven. It's because we've got work to do. And everywhere we are, either in the supermarket, at work, on the bus, on the plane, we all have work to do. In the school, we all have work to do. His message is one of everlasting peace. That's why the Bible says his peace knows no end. And that's why he's called the Prince of Peace. So if Jesus has made a triumphant entry into our hearts, he rules there and he reigns with peace and he reigns with love. And as his followers, as his children, that's what we need to exhibit in our everyday life. You know, I said this before, and I'll say it again. We don't need a Bible to show the love of God. And I remember there were years back when, you know, people will Bible bash you. You know, you're walking and someone's got a Bible right in your face. But you know, I came to that realization that that in itself is not what's going to win me. Because you could hold a Bible, yet your lifestyle might not emulate what's in that scripture. But on the other hand, you could live a life that is worthy of him and not hold a Bible. We live in a generation where you can't freely open your Bible at work to minister to someone. But the way you conduct yourself is that everyday Bible that people see. The things you say, the way you carry yourself, the way you respond, that is the Bible that everyone sees in each and every one of us. And the only way we can show that we are Christ is by the way we carry ourselves. The way we act, the way we talk, the way we respond. There are certain things that would not be found with a Christian in those gaps. There are certain words 
I will not be found with a Christian. There are certain behaviors. Yes, we're all work in progress, but every single day of our lives, we're encouraged to improve. The things we used to do, we do them no more. The things we used to say, we say them no more. Because it's been a great change since we were born again. So let's take a look at some of the uniqueness of the, of the resurrection. And this is quite sort of like interesting because I was doing a bit of research on this. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead is not what actually makes him unique or not what makes the resurrection unique. You know why? Because Jesus was not the only one that rose to life. Am I right? Right. He wasn't the only one. Now, there's, I'm not going to be emphatic about this, but my account says there were seven other resurrections before Jesus rose. Now, there's another account that talks about ten. So it just depends on what research you make. But either seven, either ten, it doesn't really matter, right? But <laughs> point is, Christ rose. But one of the uniqueness of the resurrection of Christ was that he was the only one that was foretold in advance. So every other one person that died and rose, bear in mind that they died again and never rose, right? None of them's death was foretold in advance except Jesus Christ's one. And we can find that in Psalm 16 verse 10. Psalm 16. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. Amen. And these were Jesus' words spoken through David. It says, you will not leave my soul among the dead. That means that I'm not going to be there long. Or allow it to rot in the grave. Which is basically what happens to dead bodies after a while. So already we know from that account that there's a talk of resurrection. Amen? So if he did not have the power of God in him, would he be able to talk about a resurrection? No. So this is actually the power of God at work in Christ Jesus. And that's why he was able to confidently say it. That my body would not rot in the grave. Nor would I be left among the, grave, the dead. 
Isaiah also talks about it in Isaiah 53.10. And he talks about what would happen after crucifixion, after resurrection. Isaiah 53.10. Amen. Amen. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet, when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. Amen. Amen. Can you also read Matthew 16, 21, please? Matthew 16, 21. Yeah. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hand of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Amen. Amen. So here's Jesus talking about it as well, saying, this is what's going to happen. And he gives a step-by-step -step account of what's going to happen to him. This is why I'm going to go, and this is what's going to happen. So everything that happened to Jesus, there was no surprises. When Jesus betrayed him, when they came to capture him, none of these were surprises to Jesus because he knew that that was going to happen. But the beauty for us as believers was that it, ne it did not end there. And that's why we can sing that song, that even in the grave, Jesus is Lord. That the grave could not hold him captive. Jesus explained what was going to happen. And he says, on the third day, he will be raised back to life. You know, when Jesus Christ was crucified, killed, you know, his enemies deemed him a helpless victim. And they thought, oh, well, we've won. It's victory. Because they thought they could eradicate him and put an end to his mission. Little did they know that they made the greatest mistake. Bible says if the Satan knew what would happen to Christ, he would never have had him crucified. But they were very wrong on all accounts. That was one that they actually misjudged and they missed. Because God, Jesus said, he says, no one takes my life except I lay it down. And there were so many times that the Pharisees and, you know, Sadducees, the sad ones, you know, came to try to capture him. But what did he say? His time had not come. But when his time came, they had access to him. It says, I voluntarily lay down my life. 
and I will also take it up when I want to again. They're talking about the uniqueness of the resurrection. When Christ rose from the dead, it was through the Holy Spirit. Not anything else. Not anyone else. It was that dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. And he's the only one that lives forever. Every other person, like I said, that died and rose, died again. But Christ is the only one that still lives and still reigns and is seated on the right hand of God, interceding for each and every one. The testimony of Jesus Christ stands today. Revelations 1.18 Revelations 1.18. Amen. I am the living one. Amen. I died, but look, I am alive. Amen. Forever and ever. Amen. And I hold the keys of death and yes. the grave. Amen. Amen. So there we have it, his testimony. I was dead, but I am alive. Not just for... A month, not for a year, not for 10 years, not for 50 years. It says forever and ever, for eternity. And out of every one of them that died and rose again, you know, he alone ascended into heaven. And he's the only one that is fit and qualifies to represent us. Nobody else can hold that position. He's the only one. He's the only priest. He's the only, he's the only Messiah that qualifies to hold that position for us. The Bible says he's not just sitting around waiting for the second coming. He's actually representing us before the Father. Every single day. So I can just imagine, you know, someone, someone sins. And God says, oh, look at, again? He says, ah, Father, I paid the price. Remember the blood. Remember the blood. Remember the blood. I shed that blood for that person. And for that one, I shed the, my blood. And for that one, I shed my blood. And for that one, my blood. And that's why the blood, Bible says the blood, his blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Because it's not the blood of rams, it's not the blood of goats, it's not the blood of, you know, chickens or hens or whatever, any animal. It's the undiluted blood, purified blood, a, a, a blood that had no blemish. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ paid for once and for all. So what does that actually mean to us? After all said and done, what does it mean to each and every one of us? 
It means there's no accusation against the elect of God. Bible tells us there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we've confessed Christ as our Lord and Savior, if the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead lives within us, then the enemy cannot accuse us. You know, I don't know about you, but there are times when, you know, the enemy tries to remind me about my past. And he does it every so often. He'll remind me, do you remember that situation? Or do you remember when you did that? And you did that, and you did that, and you did that. And do you know what I do? When he reminds me of my past, what do I do? I remind him of his future. And I remind him that my past has been washed by the blood of the Lamb. But you, you, Mr. Satan, your future, you better, be, you better watch it. Because the Bible says if you confess your sins, he is what? He's faithful and just. God doesn't sweep our sins underneath the carpet. He says as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions. And he says, I choose to remember it no more. So when Satan starts, stands to accuse us and stands to remind us, we know where that's coming from. And when he does that, let's remind him of his own future. That will shut him up. And remind him that my sins have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. He has the power to resurrect you. He has the power to comfort you. He has that power to heal you. That is what it means to us. That he's a God that redeems. He's a God that heals. And we're no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer slaves to sickness. We're not slaves to poverty. We're not slaves to depression. We're not slaves to, to any, any form of challenges. We're in a position where the shackles have been taken off and we can dance. Remember that song? Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. I just want to praise him. We don't praise him because there's a situation. We praise him because we know that he's Lord even over that situation. You know, when we go through situations, when we go through challenges, 
What the enemy wants us to do is to speak negative. What's happened to me again? Why is it just me? Why me? Why me? Why me? But when we turn that around, and we say, Lord, I don't understand. But I know that even in this situation, you're on your throne. The devil doesn't want to hear that. But you know, God will say, listen to my daughter. Even in that lowly situation, she's giving praise to me. Someone said, this is how we overcome. This is how we overcome. When we go through challenges, let's remove ourselves from negativity. Let's run to the word. I love to listen to worship. That's what does it for me. Listen to words that will encourage. Listen to worship. Listen to praise. And very soon you snap out of those situations. The Bible says of the barren woman, it says, rejoice, O barren. Can you imagine someone who hasn't got a child, who's been waiting on the Lord for I don't know how long. In the physical, it does not make sense. When you lose your job, it does not make sense. When you're sick, it does not make sense. But those things that do not make sense are the roads to our victory. And that's why it's important that we're intentional about a lot of these things. Because even to you, it does not make sense. But if that's what God's asking you to do, if that's what God's asking you to do, just do it. Isn't that the tick? Just do it. I've learned something. That the sooner I choose to acknowledge and to praise God in my situations, the sooner I can get out of it. Worrying will get me nowhere. Grumbling will get me nowhere. So I might as well praise God. And the sooner I get out of it, the sooner I can encourage somebody else. If he did it for me, he will do it for you also. That's the ministry that we are called to. The ministry of reconciliation. Church, what are you going through this morning? What is that situation that seems to be bothering you? 
What is that situation that seems to overwhelm you? You know, one thing is God will not give us more than we can bear. Even though a lot of times we say, Lord, we can't bear this. We can't bear this. But what we're just doing is we're passing through. We're passing through. Nikki used to encourage me when she was a lot younger with a statement. Mom, this one would have an expiry date. Or this one has an expiry date. Don't know where she got that. Well, I know where she got that from. It was the Holy Spirit. And no situation would remain the same. Unless we allow it. So it's important that we have the right attitude towards it. And if we have that, that dynamite power in us, then we can do something about it as soon as it begins to show. It's like a few weeks ago, you know, I, I was at work and I was sneezing and I was sneezing and I was sneezing. And I thought, no, this is not going to pull me down. And I had to go and do the, the ginger, the honey, and the lemon. The thing is, I refused to take time off work. So I was at home one day, but I was still working. Because I said, this is not going to pull me down. But the thing, I'm t what I'm trying to say here is, there are times that we see those signs. And the sooner we start to deal with the signs, then we don't get the whole shebang of it. If we start to see signs of things, let's deal with those things. We have the power. We have the authority. We have the God behind us. Amen. Now God says he's got our back. And that's what he was telling us in Isaiah 43. Whatever it is. In Hebrews he says, I will not leave you, nor forsake you. You know, I don't know too many scriptures. But the scriptures that I know, what I'm learning to do is utilize those scriptures. Because we can have a lot, we can know a lot of scriptures and that might just be head knowledge. But if we have a few and those are our core scriptures. I remember someone talking about, is that the seven? I can't remember the phrase. But have, is that four or seven scriptures to every sort of like common situation? Even if it's one, it's somewhere to start. So my message for us today is that we have the power. We have the resurrection power. We have the power of God. And that power that raised Christ from the dead lives within us. Not just for now, but for eternity. It's a lifetime 
membership. Doesn't expire, doesn't need renewal, doesn't need upgrading. We've got it. We can use it as often or as little times as we want to. It's a license that we can use anywhere, anytime. I encourage us, that power that God has given to us, that we utilize it for our lives, lives of our families, and the lives of those that we are called to. In Jesus' name. Amen. Trust you've been blessed. Amen. Thank you for listening. Join us for our weekly Sunday service at 10.30am at 336 Brixton Road. We hope you were blessed.